steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Rodell back here with my guy Drew Mahold. And today we have plenty to discuss with you as the NFL preseason rages on in all of its glory. Uh, your Minnesota all Vikings. Glory. <laughs> <laughs> your Minnesota Vikings stand at zero and two through two preseason games. Classic. Uh, not that that matters, but I do think it's a fun little fact to point out here before we actually get started on the preseason discussion. Um, as you may have noticed, Drew and I were absent from last week. Um, unfortunately, we had some scheduling things, but we will take a quick touch on the initial preseason game against Denver. I don't think there's a whole lot to say. Um, I just want to kind of give you, Drew, your chance to, to say what you want about that. I'll say my piece as well. I think really the second game is kind of the big piece here. So we'll spend the most mm -hmm. of the time on the show um, focusing on that and kind of, you know, there is some overlap, I suppose, with Kevin, Kellen Mond getting some extra playing time um, in that week one game and also uh, as a featured piece in the week two game. Uh, so there will be that as well. And, of course, Everson Griffin is, again, a Minnesota Viking. Uh, Drew and I will talk about kind of the potential with that and then also have some personal feelings and sentiments, I suppose, about just the overall reunion of bringing in a guy like 97. So that is the game plan for today's show. Uh, let's fire it up here with what I was just saying about this first preseason game. So as everyone knows, it's been, you know, what, a week and a half since that game was played uh, 30 players that are extremely important to this Vikings team and the conversation overall this season were not active for the first preseason game against Denver, meaning all you can really take away from this game is progression from younger guys that you might see somewhere down the line. Um, to me, not a whole lot of takeaways from this game. Score doesn't matter. Coaching doesn't matter. Uh, overall progression is too small of a sample size. So that really doesn't matter. I think for me, the one thing that I want to point out from that week one preseason game is the emergence of AJ Rose and just the potential for him to become a piece of the practice squad and potentially, you know, a guy moving forward, a la Mike Boone, for example, in the Viking system, he's really the one that stood out and took advantage of that kind of God awful situation, which was the first preseason game. But outside of that, I'm not taking much away. How about you? Yeah, that's pretty fair. I think, um, you know, it's one thing to consider too is, you know, they gave Mond all kinds of reps in that game. And, but there was, it was clear he didn't know much of the playbook. So they couldn't really open it up, let him throw a ton when they were down by multiple touchdowns. So um, it's, it's good that, you know, you did get to see AJ Rose a little bit. But I will say, I did see uh, another positive I did see, it seemed like Ryan Connolly, linebacker was flying all over the place in that game. Uh, and so uh, that was a, a one for sure positive I took away from that. And I think he played most, if not all the game. And it seemed like he was all over the field, ranging sideline to sideline, making plays. Um, but then the other thing too, is you think, talk about preseason games, like, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't play that game. The Broncos had essentially two, you could argue two starting caliber quarterbacks played most of that game. Um, and so that's going to give them an inherent big time advantage over a team that's resting half of their squad. Uh, so I think that's the reason why the scoreboard looked the way it did. Uh, so the result isn't terribly surprising to me. Obviously, it's disappointing and it sucks to watch 
a result like that, but it is what it is. And I mean, like you said, I think there's nothing, there's not a ton to take away from that. Um, and I think we also knew going in that the Vikings depth wasn't good, or at least I did. So that we projected that we said that on this show, right? Oh, I've been saying it very yeah. loudly and clearly for show, a while. Really? <laughs> yeah. And so we saw that it come to fruition and it wasn't surprising to me in the slightest. And it's kind of the same thing with the, uh, the second game too. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely some overlap here. Uh, it does kind of feel like because of like the lack of importance from that first game, like it just feels like those four quarters was just blended in with the second game. Um, like, for example, Kellen Mond. I think that this is kind of a good place to sort of begin that transition over into the second game uh, because he is really one of the two, or excuse me, one of the few overall pieces that kind of has a carryover effect from that first game because he played in both, right? We have seen, mm-hmm. um, we've, we've received, I should say, about 15 days worth of visual progression from Kellen Mond. Um, not to say that's a big sample size, not to say that any of our opinions right now really hold any weight, uh, but we do have something to work with here based off of his first and second game. So let's start with him and kind of where we're at since we know Kirk Cousins is going to start week one as the starter. No doubt about that. Uh, I don't think there's any debate. We all know who Jake Browning is. We have pretty much come to the conclusion at this point that he's on the roster because he's the only vaccinated quarterback. That's kind of where that position is at. So that leads us to Kellen Mond and Nate Stanley. I think Nate Stanley is basically a non-factor. You could say the same thing about the guys that were brought in that we discussed briefly on the, on the previous show as well. So Kellen Mond, um, interesting situation. First game, obviously a very low completion percentage. That's going to jump off the page if you're just reading the stats. Uh, the second game, some progression there, I think. I thought he was more accurate. I thought he felt looked a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. I still have questions, obviously, uh, but I do think that he, I could see really the big takeaway from game one to game two was I saw more comfort from Kellen Mond. It seemed yeah. like he was operating at a faster pace. He didn't see as, as jittery in the pocket, and it seemed like he felt the rush a little bit better within a week, which is pretty nice. And like, that's a visual progression that us as fans, we can get behind for a guy that could potentially be the future of this team. Yeah, and I th- well, I think I also want to bring you back to one play I remember from the well, one drive, I guess, from the first game when the, he did bring the Vikings down the field. They got to the red zone, and there was a fourth down where he was able to make a play, kind of, um, you know, the, the type of play that Kirk doesn't make, I guess, where you kind of have to escape, make the play, you'll keep the play alive, and he did that and made an accurate throw into the end zone too. I believe it was Wop, Wop, uh, potentially some some receiver that dropped it in the end zone. That would have been a touchdown. Great play by Mon. So like that was there. The flash was there. You saw more of it kind of stabilize a little bit in the second game, but it's still one of those where, um, you know, obviously the, the guy's raw and I, for what it's worth, don't think he's working with much either right now. So to be fair, you know, it's tough to kind of grade him uh, and evaluate him, but uh, you know, preseason football is always kind of a, uh, you know, uh, for a lack of a better word, crap show. I know there's another word I'd rather say, but not totally comfortable with that one. But you know what I'm saying? It's uh, it, it's just it's it's tough to give him, uh, you know, evaluate him fairly just because he's playing with second and third stringers. He's and you know he is making do with what he can, but it's just a plus the a lot of practice time missed because of the whole COVID thing. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I it's just. I, I respect the Vikings for making the move that they did to get him drafting a quarterback mid round. Um, still think Vikings are pretty much doomed if Kirk was isn't unable to play this year for any amount of time, because 
you know, Mond is still extremely raw, has all the talent, right? And he's very mobile, quick. He's it. made some yeah. good plays with his feet too, mm-hmm. pick up first downs and whatnot. Um, but in terms of running a game, running this offense, leading the team, I think there's still some progress to be made there. But I will say this, he's looked better than Jake Browning. That he has. He's definitely QB2. Um, yes. I think that's fairly definitive, even if Mike Zimmer's not going to put it on paper yet. I think he knows it. Right. I think Zimmer still – Zimmer just likes something about Browning, the intangibles, the leadership, the command of the huddles that seem to be catching Zimmer's eye. But Sean Mannion qualities, you mean? Sure, yeah, that. The things that you love so much about Mannion. But uh, it seems like hey, Mon's okay on, as long on as the you field. Have right. too. Yeah, Mon seems to be the better on-field option right now. I think that's pretty clear, yeah. So a couple things on Kellen Mond. I think it's really important that you brought up the point here that, first of all, he's missed practice time. So the evaluation is not the same as, for for example, against other quarterbacks. Um, we've seen other rookie quarterbacks shine in the preseason, right? Whether Trey Lance has had his moments a couple of different times. You know, Trevor Lawrence has been on video. I think Justin Fields has really kind of been the star of the show to date. Uh, I just want to point out immediately that Kellen Mond should not be compared with any of these guys. First and foremost, a couple of different reasons on that. Uh, number one, I know it's going to be really, really easy for Vikings fans to compare Mon to Justin Fields just as their careers progress, just because of the situation that went down with the draft where the Vikings, you know, reportedly were looking at Fields and Spielman all but confirmed that he's going to be connected his entire career. I just want to make a point now. What is this, August 23rd, 2021, that that's an unfair comparison right now, and it will be in six years from now as well. Um, they were drafted to do two different things, right? Uh, Fields is supposed to step in and be the franchise guy immediately. Kellen Mond was drafted definitively as a project. Um, I think every single one of us know, whether you're a casual fan, a deep diver, you know, someone who watches the Vikings just for the hell of it because you want to make fun of them, you all know that Kellen Mond is going to be a project. This isn't a guy who's going to flash immediately in the preseason, a la Justin Fields. So I think what you're looking for with Mond is significantly different, even if you're kind of hoping the results are the same ultimately, right? Like Bears fans are wishing and hoping that Fields is going to be a franchise guy. I think he's shown reason to believe that that's possible, right? People are excited about that. I think Vikings fans see that also want to be excited about that same type of thing with Kellen Mond. But I want to say like, as much as I can see the issues with Mon too, I want to say that we got to give this guy a little bit longer leash because he's being asked to do something different. He's asked to be, to come sit in here behind Kirk cousins, progress slowly. And hopefully in a year, maybe two years, depending on the timeline here, take over as the starter if the Vikings need him to be and and this in in the kind of in the same way in the same vein be prepared if you get thrust into a situation know what you have to do know the offense understand what's going on around you and just try to make plays yeah and to me Kellen Mond has already accomplished a lot of that right we you mentioned the skill set right the feet especially that's something that Vikings fans haven't enjoyed since what is Tavares Jackson the closest example to a scrambler that Vikings fans have had it's been a while so you see a guy that can actually do things with his feet that can throw on the run, by the way, he's got a cannon for an arm when he's rolling out of the pocket, even if it's not accurate all the time, it definitely gets there in a hurry. I mean, I see a lot of Josh Allen traits that can be molded if you have the right type of developmental system, but it's going to take some time. So let's just be careful here when we're, when we're sitting, when we're watching the sports center highlights and they're showing Justin Fields throwing touchdowns to wide open receivers and Kellen Mond is stepping in there in the pocket with a third string offensive line and trying, trying to, do to the thread best he needles can. to, you know, Shane Zilstra or, or and, whoever yeah, else is out there. Wop Filer. I mean, these guys are also dropping passes too. That's going to lower that completion percentage. Again, I want to also point out, I am not a Kellen Mond defender. I never will be. 
but I am going to be a reasonable person here and say, hey, first game, couple games, there's some things to like. There's a lot of things to like, honestly. The arm strength, the yeah. pocket presence, the feel, the movement skills. But there's a lot of things to dislike, too. And I'm not going to throw him under the bus yet. I want to let him go through the process the Vikings drafted him to go through before we make any sweeping opinions. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, I think we can – this is – so the thing about my, yeah, you're right. Total project. Like you, the, you could still see, which is what I like and why I'm a fan of the pick to the choice to go after him is he has that kind of keep the play alive, like make a play on his own type of ability. You've seen a little bit of it. You've seen a third and eight scramble for a first down. You've seen, um, you know, the pocket collapses and perhaps he leaves the pocket too soon, but nonetheless, he's still able to find an opening or an open receiver and make a throw that's something that the Vikings have not had in some time. Uh, really case Keenum kind of was the last guy that to a degree did that. And so that's nice to see that he has that ability. Um, and then moving over, I did want to comment on Jake Browning because I was almost, I was under the impression that he would be QB two actually kind of after the whole COVID thing, he seemed like the guy that was going to be QB two really rough performance from Jake Browning over the last couple of games. And so I think now I'm, I'm almost kind of I'm, I'm in questioning what the Vikings do here because Browning is, you know, has clearly not looked like the guy that seemed to be throwing on Saturday night uh, Vikings training camp practice where he was the only guy. It seemed like he got a lot of momentum there. He seems to have lost that. Mond has come in and he's been the third string in preseason games, but he's I think he's looked much better than Browning has. So it's almost the Vikings are kind of back where they started, where they don't really have a QB two for the time being. They obviously have this project in mind that could turn into something long-term potentially, but it's, it's not uh, it's unsettling. I'll, I'll say that the Vikings don't have a reliable QB two. And to me, they're still kind of they're out. I mean, they're, they're, they're done. They're toast. If Kirk cousins is unable to play for any type of reason. So that to me is concerning. And it's, again, you're kind of knocking on wood for, for Kirk's health. Um, whatever that may be. The one thing that I will say, and I wholeheartedly agree that there's <laughs> definitive. I mean, I, I'm still glad the, for, the I'm glad the franchise did something. They they found a project in the third round that could turn into something. He's got right. that high potential. I get that, but I'm st- it's still when you're trying to win now, as it seems like the Vikings are, even though I have questions about the roster I get, but like the star caliber is there to have a winning team. You, you got to be able to save that to some degree with the quarterback position. And you think they'd have learned that with the whole Teddy thing five years ago, but uh, it's, it's just, it's kind of frustrating to know that the whole thing, again, it's on Kirk Cousins' shoulders to stay healthy. Okay. So I'm going to say one thing on that. And that's the whole idea that first of all, you're right. It, it would be nice to have more security there, but the grievance that I've had with having strong Mannion as your QB two for the last, what, three years or so when I've been complaining about that is that Sean Mannion gives you no chance to win. If he has to start like zero, it's over. We know who he is. It's over period. And I don't care who wants to defend. Okay. That's what it is. Kellen Mond is an unknown. It doesn't mean that it's a definitive. No, that you're going to lose. If he gets thrust in there, it's unlikely. I think we've seen that over the course of four quarters against the first team defense that he might very well struggle but I don't know that. I know that with Sean Mannion. I know that with Jake Browning. I honestly, I kind of know that with Nate Stanley for whoever the hell that commenter told me that said that he was going to be a starter. I I know that that with those guys. Yes. I know that with these guys, 
with Kellen Mond, the legs alone make me feel like the Vikings could have a chance if Kirk. So it's like, it's a little bit, this is not quite the same comparison because there's, uh, there's still a lot of different moving parts there, but like, you know how Joe Webb won that game against Philly in 2010. Yeah. It's a little bit like that where he made enough plays with his legs and kind of made enough plays happen that shouldn't have happened in that game that Philly was, I mean, they were tossed into a blender. You know, they were a contending team that year. Vikings were obviously uh, done for the season there, but had nothing to play for, but they threw Joe Webb in there um, instead of Ponder and Favre. Or, I, it wasn't even Ponder at that point. It was Favre, and then it was Tavares Jackson, who were both unable to play. Joe Webb goes in there, and you see what happens. Yeah, and I, I agree with you that, you know, it's a similar circumstance, and I think when Joe Webb was thrust into that situation, like even ahead of the Green Bay game where, you know, obviously we all know in history that did not go well at all, right, the playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we all had hope, right? Because Joe Webb, we didn't know. He offered Joe a different was. dynamic that, because like you see it too, and he had to go in games sporadically throughout the yeah, last yeah. few years. He won the game in Washington, which would have been the game that Pearson tore his ACL. Webb went in and they had won that game actually at the end of 2011 too. So like there was some reason to believe that his extra, that extra dynamic ability he had with his feet, it, it can create, um, uh, issues for the defense uh, that it may be more established like passer per se, but someone that doesn't move very well, that doesn't provide. So with my, I I think I do see your point there that there it's, there's still a little bit of uncertainty that can be a good thing for a team depending on um, how it's used in the game, I guess. Right. Right. And that's the only point that I want to make. I still think that like, for example, if Vegas is putting odds in the Vikings and Kellen Mond is listed as the starter, it's not going to look good. But I'm saying that I don't know for sure that Kellen Mond is going to lose the game the same way that I would with just about any QB2 the Vikings have had since ever, maybe. <laughs> I think ever. I think I mean, ever. QB2 in the terms of the 2017 year when you had like that okay, trio, Keenum, like the Keenum. Keenum. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Keenum, Whatever. but like even when Teddy was back that year, but like that's kind of an exception because of all how that played out. But even like that's the type of thing I want though is like a, a, veteran backup like Keenum or somebody who was established in the league has starter experience has played meaningful games before like Keenum had prior to that year where the Vikings season wasn't totally lost when Bradford went down Vikings do not have that right now and they haven't since then yeah. and that's my does concern anyone, and I does anyone I mean, like is this a fair like uh, let me let me ask you it this way is this a fair like I understand well, that here's, it's not so for example QB2 but is it fair to be to ask a team to have a quality well, QB2. For example, two years ago, the Vikings got, I don't want to say lucky, that's the wrong way to look at it, but Patrick Mahomes missed the game against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs won that game because Matt Moore went in, played solid, and yeah. executed yeah. Andy Reid's offense well. You know, I mean, there's, I don't think it's unreasonable to find that. Um, now, there might be a limited number of that, but I think a team should be willing to pay for it, especially a team that like the Vikings would be in win now mode um, where you're trying to, you know, you're trying, you're, you're trying to create this window to be right now for a Super Bowl. I think you got to be able to pay that extra money. If it's maybe you're paying a back quarterback seven to $10 million. That's fine with me. Like I'd rather have that. Um, than maybe in your backup, your immediate backup being a project, a raw talent, such as Kellen Mond or Jake Browning for the, for that matter. So really there's levels to this, honestly. Like it's like, yeah. And we're, this, have... we're actually going off quite the tangent here, but it's, it's, it's an important like philosophical debate kind of, I think, because you need I mean, three quarterbacks. Basically you need three yeah. quarterbacks. This is what the perfect quarterback roster looks like. you got a veteran established starter, like 
like Kirk Cousins. Or is, that guy in a rookie contract that's a stud yes. that, uh, you know, would had been Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Mahomes. The last Baker few Mayfield years, works there yeah, too. Yeah. I'll qualify Baker Mayfield there as well. You got, you got that guy, your definitive starter, the guy who's going into week one for sure. Then if you have a veteran guy, right? If you don't have the Baker Mayfield, if you don't have the Josh Allen, whatever, then you got to have the Kellen Mond type or the Trey Lance type. It doesn't need to be a first round guy, but it needs yeah. to be someone to work on. Someone that you can kind of Some, be like, what Dak right. Prescott was in 2016. Yes, perfect. Perfect. Dak Prescott's a perfect example. All right. So you got to have a Kirk Cousins. Then you got to have a Dak Prescott. And then lastly, and probably, you know, least importantly, I think this is the, kind of the piece that Drew's alluding to where it's like teams don't put enough in emphasis into this piece of the roster is having that veteran guy that can give you a 35% chance to win. To keep a game you competitive a without your team. star. Right. That you know, right. will Case keep Keenum, you competitive. Won't lose you the game. Case Keenum, Chase Daniel, uh, geez, I Matt can't, there's a short list. Andy Matt Dalton, Moore. you know, I mean, for Andy all the crap Andy Dalton got last year. He doesn't year, think but, he's that guy, though, but he well, thinks he's he a is. one guy. But regardless. Yeah, anyways. Okay. So that's something the Vikings have to work on. That It's really Jake Browning that we have the problem with at this point. And to be honest, this is such a weird year where even if Jake Browning, you know, isn't very good, at least – he's going to be available because he has the vaccination status like this. I, again, I'm not, I don't want to bang the drum on that too hard because I know it's polarizing, but like the, the protocol is different for him. So like, just you're going to have a quarterback no matter what. So I think that is important for this year alone, but yes, I, I think you'd rather have a case Keenum. You'd rather have a Matt Moore, what have you, because Kellen Mond is a project. But that being said, this is not worst case scenario anymore because at least you can put Kellen Mond in there and try something with this guy and see if it works. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a benefit. That's an improvement from last year. We're mm -hmm. moving in the right direction in that regard. Okay. Let's get back to the rest of the preseason as a whole. And really, again, with the focus on this on week two, talking about guys other than the quarterback position, right? Um, there have obviously been, you know, some guys who have stood out more than others. Um, I know that literally every podcast, every blog, everyone does this, but who are some guys for you? who have stood out. And then we'll, after we finish with this, we'll flip over to the other side. Who are the guys who are hurting themselves, potentially bubble guys, you know, veteran guys who maybe aren't living up to expectations. Mm -hmm. um, who has been the star of the show so far in the preseason? Who has made the biggest name for themselves? Who has done the most for their status on this team right now? Yeah. So I did want to bring this up um, because, I mean, so I already mentioned Ryan Connolly. I think he was, he's been really good in both games um, as kind of on that sort of third team defense there. Um, I also wanted to bring up Chad Beebe a little bit. Now I know he's kind of, there's, I feel a lot of people think he's on the way out based on them bringing in DD Westbrook and things, but I think he made a decent case for himself uh, in this most recent game against the Colts with the way he performed. He was, it, he made himself available very often for his quarterback, um, whether it was Browning or Mond. Um, and so I think there's some more considerations to be made uh, for the Vikings that he could be there uh, or could be an option in that wide receiver six spot. Um, Chaz Surratt made a couple of really good plays against the Colts, one particularly on special teams. Um, I also think Amir Abdullah is kind of – that's a weird position there too where he's in because he's got – so that running back situation, you know, you have Dalvin and Madison, of course, and then A.J. Rose to make a name for himself, of course, the especially that first game. Amir Abdullah is doing so much on special teams here for the Vikings – 
and that's the type of thing Mike Zimmer likes. And so I think he'll be around too. I like the what his, I think the leadership he has is, is really good to have uh, on the special teams group. And the fact that he's taking that in stride after having previously been a starting running back um, in the NFL. So I like that. And I think um, that could be a really nice piece to have on the special team. So I'm kind of a fan of Abdullah being on the team, despite what my, may, many will say. And it's actually kind of against my own philosophy of kind of keeping another running back. But I think Abdullah, just for his special teams, leadership in the intangibles i guess that are come with that i think he is a nice player to have there where you have some guys like i know zimmer has criticized amir smith marset who another guy by the way i've liked the speed and explosiveness he's shown but i know zimmer has said he wants him to be better on special teams i think keeping a guy like abdullah around to kind of you know if you plan on keeping ism on the roster i think also having abdullah there to kind of make sure he's progressing on the special teams role. I think that'd be huge. So those are just a few quick hitters. I know that was kind of not really in a sequence there, but those are just a few things I noticed from the Colts game. Oh, that's, that's perfectly fine. And I think the Abdullah piece is interesting because I think that Abdullah specifically kind of gives off the Marcus Sherrill's vibes. Do you remember how every year we used to project that Marcus Sherrill's was going to get cut until we all realized kind of as fanalists that that just never was going to happen. I kind of get the same vibe from Amir Abdullah. Um, and really it's, it's also CJ ham syndrome as well, where we just, every year we expect, you know, we can fill that spot. Why are the Vikings continue to keep them? Well, I think we got the answer with ham. We also got, you know, the answer with Cheryl's of course, but it's because they provide such significant value at a piece that we as fans don't put enough eyes on. Yeah. And I, and I don't think there's also a way not to really like evaluate, like, quantify it you know like you talk about analytics and things and we got to talk to them you got to know these you got to have a conversation with there's no way to like quantify the value a an attitude a leader Mm -hmm. a leadership quality brings to the locker room that i think abdullah seems to have that i just can't really tell you what that value is i just know it's there it's interesting with abdullah because so obviously cook Obviously, Madison, you just drafted Kane Wangu as well. That's right. Who's mm-hmm. been really – I don't I, I don't want to say Wangu has been a, a, a disappointment. I mean, he's got he the injury, so it's it's tough to get a, a full read, yeah. but read. You have but seen he's got the explosiveness that you've loved to see and could be a game-breaker. And then you got right AJ Rose too. So you've got five guys to play one position. Well, So it's in that way, it's tough to argue for Abdullah to have a roster spot. That's my point. That's my point. But this is the argument I'm making for it is because if Zimmer wants, and he's been very adamant during talking to the media, he's like, I want my special teams guys to buy in. I want them to, you know, like when I draft Amir Smith-Marset, a mid-round receiver who's got all this athleticism, I don't want him to come here just to be a receiver. You have to earn that. I know Adam Thielen's talked about it to the players too, where – a lot of these guys didn't even know Adam Thielen played special teams for the first two years of right. his career, three years of his career. Now they're kind of getting to know that about him and they realize, okay, you got to earn it a little bit more in the NFL. Most guys don't just come in and then they're a starting player. That's not how it works for 90% of the players in the league. They have to earn it through additional roles, I mean, being on a field goal unit, being on punt unit, whatever it is. And I think it's, it took a little bit. It seems like to get that into ISN's head and I think Abdul is the right guy to maybe help with that um, mentorship there, if you will. So just to kind of clarify this point, and then we'll kind of put a bow on it. Um, Ron Rivera was on the Pardon My Take podcast. I don't know if we have any people here that 
listen to that show as well. Big fan of that show. Yeah, I like the show as well. I like listening to the guys they interview because they always have amazing people on there and they always talk very casually. And that's what's so much fun for me um, is that they asked Ron Rivera, who's in a tremendous interview, by the way, just as a person, I would have listened to him if he was on any show. Um, They asked him who his most important players on his roster are. And obviously as a coach, he said, well, each guy is important in different ways. But then he listed off three guys, right? One of them was about leadership. One of them was just kind of about team unity and chemistry. And the last one was this guy named Jeremy Reeves, who, if you're familiar, he's a safety. He was a bubble guy, and he continues to be a bubble guy. But Ron Rivera called him the most important player on this team because, and this is really important, I think Mike Zimmer probably follows the same path because it sounds very old school to me. He said Jeremy, Jeremy Reeves is super important because he tells other guys how to buy into the system. And I think this is kind of what you're getting at with Amir Abdullah. Mm-hmm. Because Jeremy Reeves was a guy who was going to get cut. Ron Rivera went into him and said, hey, we're going to cut you. And he said, okay. And he said, but we're going to try to bring you back in the practice squad, and I'm going to give you a shot at some point, and I need you to be ready. And Jeremy Reeves was like, okay, I'm going to be ready. I'll do that. So then a guy gets hurt. A safety gets hurt. I believe this was last year specifically that a guy gets hurt. Reeves ends up playing nine games last year. The reason why he played nine games this year is because Ron Rivera made the decision not to bring in one of his old players to play a position that – he believes and knows that that guy can play and instead went back to Jeremy Reeves and said, Hey, here's your shot. I'm, I'm cashing in on what I told you I was going to do. This is it. You're the guy go do your job. And Jeremy Reeves really appreciated that because it meant that Mike, that, that, that Ron Rivera stuck to his word. When he said, you're going to get a shot. Eventually he didn't waste any time. He didn't go bring in another guy that he knew that could do it. He said, I've got Jeremy Reeves sitting here. He's waiting for his chance. I'm bringing him in. He's going to do the job. And Reeves, for what it's worth, he's not an especially talented player. He's not an elite player, and he really hasn't progressed into one. But he has this message now that my coach, if he tells me I'm going to do something, he's going to do it, and you guys can trust him. So he basically embodies the brand that is Ron Rivera. And so I think Marcus Sherrills was that way with Mike Zimmer. Mm -hmm. I think Adam Thielen is literally like the apex of that because of his storyline and his progression in the league. There was a Griffin, too. Same thing. Griffin, yeah, and I think Amir Abdullah is probably the latest case of that where he's literally a chemistry guy because he bought in and he stuck around and he continues to be important to the team and add value when he's needed, when he's called upon. And he trusts Mike Zimmer, and therefore he can, pre- can kind of spread that message to everyone else, to the A.J. Roses of the world, who's probably going to be cut, by the way, and probably tried to be signed to the, tr- the practice squad. He's probably going to have that same message for A.J. Rose. He's say, look, I'm going to cut you. we got four running backs here. I don't have space. But I think you got talent. I think you're gifted. And I think you're going to have a role on this team in the future. So if you come back, it, there's going to be a chance mm-hmm. for you here. And Amir Abdullah can be like, hey, he's not lying, man. Like, this is what he does. This is the coach Mike Zimmer yeah. is. So I think that that's a very important point. And I think that it's something that you have to keep in mind here when you're evaluating what the 53 is going to look like, which we'll probably be doing next week. You got to keep these guys in mind, these team core guys who may not show up in the stat sheet, but they show up somewhere where Drew, myself, all of you guys, pretty much anyone that's not credentialed, and really, even then, just we can't get a handle on it because we don't know these people. And I, mm-hmm. I'm never going to know Amir Abdullah on a personal enough level to know that he is you know, a core player because of his chemistry. Yeah, and that's actually that's a good point, too. And one thing we should think of when it comes to, like, you know, you see the name, like Dakota Dozier, quite a bit on yeah. social medias and whatnot, and how is this guy still on the roster, whatever, and you kind of – the PF, PFF grades are what they are, but here's the other piece of that. And I'm guilty as anyone of kind of, you know, 
saying, well, why are the Vikings playing him? Why is he on the roster? Blah, blah, blah. Like I'm totally guilty of it, but this is another, you know, this is just another way to look at it. Maybe he's got that leadership quality too, that we're not seeing or not in the locker room to see from Dakota Dozier. So there's that piece too, that, you know, obviously it's, it's the fan um, experience to jump to conclusions really quick. I'm guilty of it. Like I said, but that's just one thing to keep in mind. Maybe that's why Dakota Dozier is still around is because he's a really good mentor and a leader for the other guys around. Um, and he's kind of showing them the way of how to buy into that system, how to be a member of the team, how to make sure that you fulfill your role, or at least are have the right attitude of filling your role. Um, right. So there's that piece that I think we should, again, when trimming attitude down to 53, important. that's going to be important uh, is, is making sure that that's kept in mind. I know the coaching staff is going to for sure do that. Absolutely. All right, so a couple other pieces of guys, just quick hitters of guys that I thought have looked good just from my vantage point, right? Uh, two guys that stood out to me in week two specifically, Chaz Surratt and Blake Lynch. Blake Lynch. Mm-hmm. Stood out to me for two di- for you know, the same reason, basically. Completely different scenarios, but Blake Lynch on literally the very, I think it was the first or second play of the game, he burst into the backfield and completely whiffed. Like he was all over the running yep. back and just like flew Remember through. this. It was like it was a ghost, right? About, I want to say one, maybe two series later, he had the same situation and he made the play. Now that's a fifty percent, that's a fifty percent success rate. That in itself, not awesome, right? But the fact that this is a growing player and Chesterot did the same thing, by the way, except for this was on special teams. He blew a coverage, missed a guy when he had a you know perfect opportunity to tackle him for you know in place when he caught the punt. Guy got like 10 yards out of it, came back down, and then he had that, quote, big hit, which really wasn't a big hit, by the way. It was kind of an ugly tackle, but that's neither here nor there. He was there, though. He was in the right spot. Yeah, he recovered. He got to the right spot. He did his job. Recovery is important here, and this goes back to attitude. I mean, like, if you have a bad play, Mike Zimmer does not have time. And, and really none of us fans do either because we want a Super Bowl. We don't have time for you to sit on the seat, for, on the sideline and be sad about make, missing that play. You will be cut on this team. This is Bill, Mar- Bill Parcells' like, boot camp. You will be cut if you act with this negative attitude like you can't make a play, so then you can't make one later. These guys embody that spirit, right, where you screwed up, you probably got chewed out, someone said something to you, and then when you had your next opportunity, you made the most out of it. That stands out to me. Those guys probably, you know, if they were bubble guys, I think Surratt probably makes the team inherently. But then you look at like Lynch, who could very easily be a bubble guy. That's a moment that I look back on as a coach. And I'm like, you know what? This guy's learning or this guy's taking the coaching or whatever it is. He's doing mm-hmm. something to improve yeah. himself. That's you do important. Like, yeah, that's those are the cool things to see when you that, that's like pre like, you know, the casual fan goes to preseason games. They want to see their team win. But like in reality, what this is, is, is it's a it's a job audition for yeah, all for these guys team. that are trying to have an NFL career. And that type of a play by Lynch is one of those that it will, will catch the eye of a coach or a scout. 100%. Absolutely. Last guy here on the positive side, and there really are more, but these are the three that stood out to me the most. And that's, uh, that's Wyatt Davis, who has had a lot of negative press. I feel like, like just because he hasn't walked in and been a starter. Mm-hmm. I've liked everything I've seen from Wyatt Davis so far. You know, we're talking, I'm talking about the guard out of Ohio state right now. Yeah, he's he's still running third team mostly, right? That's my point. He's been been stuck on that third team platoon, but every opportunity he's had, I mean, he's the best blocker on the field when he's been on the field. Granted, you're right. He's been on there with the second and third team most of the time. I think almost exclusively with the third team, by the way. Uh, And it's looked really good. I've been very impressed with his, you know, what he's shown. I think he looks more ready than the Vikings press and really the Vikings team 
are giving him credit for. To me, he's this year's Stephon Diggs. I think we might see him like week six, and he's going to be starting. And you're like, why wasn't this guy starting before? I mean, the fact that happens often good. with this team, doesn't it? it seem does. like that? It's yeah, like... it's, it's someone new every year. It's Diggs or Jefferson or, uh, I mean, Daniel Hunter. I mean, all these guys. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is in the staff. It works, by the way. All these guys are really good players for the rest of their careers. So, like, it works. I'm not complaining. But that's what I'm seeing from Wyatt Davis. So, that was kind okay. of – those are my big three here outside of the, you know, the more um, obvious ones, right? Flip side now, uh, bad guys, guys who are not helping. Bad themselves. guys, the bad guys. <laughs> who, uh, who in your, who in your mind is hurting themselves, not doing as much as they should, just straight up look bad. Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna say Jake Browning just because the whole point we just made. I, I mean, I'm not gonna rehash the whole thing, but mm-hmm. basically, he's had a really good opportunity to solidify himself as QB two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the offense has been sputtering the entire time. Uh, so I think he certainly has hurt himself but i now i don't know what discussions are internally or or what have you but i really would assume now kellen mond is going to get that chance to be qb2 and could be going into the season just based on how the preseason action has gone for for browning it has not been uh has not been great for him um and then i did all i mean i just wanted to say this in general now again the depth is not good (laughs) with this team like it's and we I've covered it every show. I've said it like when there's, if there's a couple injuries to start players with this roster, it's not going to be good. Um, and I think we're seeing that now and how ugly the preseason football has been. I also wanted to bring up Kirk cousins. Um, not a great few series for him against the Colts. And did you catch the comments where he was like weirdly like optimistic about how it went uh, in the media where he was kind of like, yeah, I was really comfortable. I thought things went really well. Uh, I mean, I was, I'm like, really like you're, you, you, you average like three yards per attempt. Uh, the team had like one first down because of penalty or something like that. Like, it was just interesting that that was his takeaway. Now Kirk says what he says to the media. And most of the time he's just saying stuff to basically be done with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think yep. he's being, he's never really been a guy that's going to be open up uh, and, uh, you know, share a bunch of stuff to the media, but I was just really taken aback by that. It's just, I, I don't know. It's it, that threw me off a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know what to think about that. Anyway, that was I just mean, my quick takeaway. It was, it was just bad. like, it was just weird. Cause like I was there at the game, the offense had no rhythm at all the entire game, let alone when he was playing. The coaches they had, have reinforced this point, by the way, like every coach, Mike Zimmer, most importantly has been like hey offense sucks like yeah i mean and then, and then meanwhile kirk's like yeah well, i thought it went really well uh we thought i thought we got some good rhythm going and it's like no you didn't so just lying to our base that was no? i don't know maybe he was just out of it uh he was just he, maybe he's maybe he's done with the media asking about vaccine stuff so he's just gonna <laughs> troll and be satirical the rest of the time i don't know I, to be fair i probably would be getting annoyed pretty pretty much at this point like i'd be pretty annoyed if i was him just like i, I don't agree with his stance but like i understand being annoyed at this point if you're in his position so I, I would get that but i don't think i think he's just spinning his wheels i think you had it right the first time with the whole like he's just gonna say what he needs to say to get out of the media room because he doesn't want to be there yeah and i don't you know i'm not gonna take too much stock away from a preseason performance from kirk but i will say that the offenses look terrible and he is the offense like 
if we're going to blame the offense, we're also blaming Kirk. It's not the same oh, yeah. with Dalvin Cook, right? Like, if the offense is bad, we it's don't blame Dalvin It's not with Dalvin. Cook. As, I mean, if you're the quarterback of the That's team. That's my point. That's my that, point. It's, like like when it's, you not, say, it's not the same as with Dalvin where, like, you know, if Dalvin has 45 yards on 19 carries, I, my first thought is, hmm, how is the, how the offensive line, you know, open holes or what happened there? You know, if, if, if the Vikings score eight points in a game, you know, and they lose 30 to eight or something like that, I'm thinking, well, how did what what was wrong with Kirk? You know, like that was that's my first instinct, and I think that's fair because as the quarterback, you're supposed to carry that offense. Well, that's so. the first instinct with any team, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Like if, oh yeah. If if the Kansas City Chiefs only score 14 points, you're. First- I mean, the same thing happened in the Super Bowl. You know, when Mahomes yeah. is, it's like, geez, Mahomes had a terrible game. Now, offensive line was pretty bad, but Mahomes did not look. We started like with Mahomes, though. We started that yeah. conversation with Mahomes. And that's the same thing. It, it's not going to change just because we're talking about the Vikings. Like, it's no yeah. bias against Kirk. It's a bias against quarterbacks. That's what it oh, is. Yeah. So, yeah, the offense has been bad. Kirk's the face of that offense. Yeah, I'm with you. He has not looked good so far. I think he'll turn it around, though. I think this is, a, you know, a preseason, an example of – that would be Kirk Cousins. Freaking out about Kirk Cousins right now would be an example of over, you know, being getting too hyped up over the preseason, I think. But – it is something to monitor at this point now. Like if he sucks week one, two, then I'm going to go back to and be like, hey, this started in the preseason. Right now I'm giving him a pass. But if it's week one, two, we're going to go back to this. Just heads up, letting you know right mm-hmm. now because I know you guys are going to hate it. But we're going to. So for me, the scapegoat right now is Cam Dantzler. I am pissed at Cam Dantzler. And let me tell you why. Because I, I kind of wanted him. to give you the spotlight here for Cam because I, I, I had noticed it, but I knew you've been making some comments about him too throughout the preseason. So, so here's why I'm pissed because I'm forced to change my tune, right? Everything I've said about Cam Dancer this offseason, right? Been largely positive, right? I don't think I've said anything up until two weeks ago where I was like, ah, what's going on with Cam? Like, right? I started yeah. getting nervous like two weeks ago. My, my narrative for, for Cam Dan- Dantzler was that this guy was probably going to put on weight. He was going to look better this season. We're going to start seeing closer to Xavier Rhodes. And here is the problem. We're not seeing any of that. I'm not seeing any progression. I'm seeing this guy buried on the depth chart. I'm seeing him smiling and acting like a starter on the sideline when he's buried with these third string guys. Like, I I don't know if it's fair, but I'm – I, I have I have very real concerns with Cam Dantzler right now, and I'm I'm nervous. I'm I'm really concerned. He looks. What did I say two weeks ago? I said he looks like a toothpick, and it like that hasn't changed. So like that concern is now higher. I'm I'm more annoyed with that because that hasn't changed. Because also he's still slow as hell, or he's not picking up reads effectively. One of the two. He either doesn't know the playbook or he's just slow. If it's slow, he's going to be out of the league soon because he's really slow. Like, he was so far behind K.J. Hamler in Denver. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, and K.J. Hamler is not. I mean, this isn't Tyreek Hill. This is K.J. Hamler. He's a good, athletic, young player. But come on. Like, he wasn't even close in coverage. And then someone's like, oh, where's the safety? It's like, yeah, the safety behind him. Yeah, he screwed up a little bit too. But Dantzler wasn't even close, and he's supposed to be a starter. So that's week one. Week two, he's buried. He's playing in the third and fourth quarter. And he's playing terribly against what Jacob Eason and whoever the hell else they threw out there against the Colts looked like he didn't even know what was going on. That's what it looked like. I'm sorry. Like, I, yes, I don't have the all 22 because game pass is like that this year. Yes. I don't have a personal quote from Mike Zimmer on what's going around with Cam Dantzler. 
Yes, I don't have a clue what's going on. But if something's wrong. Something is off there, and I'm very much concerned because this guy was what? Not rookie it was a very pleasant year. surprise last year. Very pleasant surprise, but not just rookie of the year, but he was honored for his position. Like, right, he wasn't defensive rookie of the year, but he was honored as the top rookie cornerback in the NFL last year. Not just a pleasant surprise, but a star in the making potentially. And it looks like we've taken nine steps back. Like, this isn't just sophomore slump. This looks bad. It looks like he's not going to be on the field week one. It looks like it's going to be Breland, Alexander, and Peterson, which is an old-ass cornerback group that I did not want. None of us wanted that. The young guys are not stepping up. One of them just got cut for domestic violence. Now this one apparently can't figure out how to st- how to stay on the field professionally. So we've got both of these guys who are supposed to be the future. All of a sudden, I've got real concerns. One of them's not here. One of them shouldn't be here. Like I, I'm concerned, man. Like this is like we just got older at the one position where we wanted to get younger, apparently, and that can't happen. Because this is, I'm not playing for 2021 right now. I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. I'm playing for 2022 and beyond. And Cam Dancer doesn't. The sad like thing is, be. the Vikings are playing for 2021. So there's already yes. you're, we're all misaligned a little bit. It's ridiculous! I can't believe it. I can't believe this because I was so confident in this guy's ability after seeing what I saw last year. He was getting in front of guys. His press coverage was amazing. His hands were long, like his arms are long, and he's holding guys in place. And he's doing, he's making the most out of his five yards in coverage. Like, my biggest question was zone. Like, is he going to be able to catch up to guys when he's playing five yards, 10 yards, 12 yards off? And now it's not just press. I mean, it's not just zone. It's press, too. It's everything. And I I don't know what more to say about the guy. Like, it's supposed to be better than this, and it's not. And he's got one more week of preseason to show it. But if he's not on the field week one, if Cam Dancer plays eight snaps week one, I'm not going to be shocked because everything I've seen has been bad. And I'm really disappointed in it because I – I love this player, man. I thought this guy was going to be really good, and maybe I'm overreacting. I'm here to say now that it sounds like an overreaction, so I might listen to this back in a couple weeks from now and be like, oh, I was out of my mind. But, man, it does not look good, straight up. Yeah, I am with you on that. I I did want you to say your piece on Cam Dancer because that was – I mean, it's fair, though. Like, well, and I'll say this, too. Breland's been good. Breland had a really good performance against the Colts. Thank God. um, He had a couple – he was really sticky. So, I I like to see that. And, I mean, by – by default, he's going to drop a little bit um, on the depth chart because bringing in Breland and whatnot. But, um, you know, and Mackenzie Alexander there too. So, like, I get it. But, yeah, it's 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 tough to see him drop the depth chart. But then, you know, based on last year, you, su- you should see him thrive playing with threes and fours. That's and my point. Not. So that's the, that's the point. concern. Yeah, That's the non-rant version. Like, that's the coherent, rational thing that I should have <laughs> just said in about three seconds. That's what it is. It's like, he should be dominating, and he's not. That's a concern in and of itself. Okay. Anyone other than Cam Dantzler and Kirk Cousins and really just the offense as a whole sputtering that you have concerns with as we head into kind of the – the well, really, the end of the preseason here? Well, at the end of the preseason, I mean, I, I – with the Vikings, it, it, I don't even care about the third game. Like, I mean, we got to figure out who the final roster spots are, but then – I, uh, I mean, nobody, none of the key stars are going to play. I, at least I, I, I know a lot of people want to see like Kirk play more or get a co- competent series together, but just get be past the preseason. I'm done with it. I'm over preseason football. Get me to the regular season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, from there we'll figure out <laughs> the regular season. Cause I'm just, I'm done watching this horrible football relative to like regular season games. Give me to the regular season. Yeah. One thing 
I want to drop this in one bucket or the other, and then we'll move on to Everson Griffin and wrap this thing up. Special teams, positive or negative after two weeks of preseason? Where are you feeling? <sighs> I think there's a lot of good, but there's I think a there's lot still of, concerns. I mean, the, the, we, we you missed one kick right now. Was it mm-hmm. Joseph missed one last week? Mm-hmm. 51 um, yards, though. Interesting that the Vikings lost by two. Um, <laughs> Shocker. You know, I think it's – I'll always be concerned about kicking. I mean, I won't be satisfied with it until, you know, Justin Tucker like is – or just someone like Justin Tucker is on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, me, I think it's – I think you're seeing more kind of um, spunk. Is that the right word? Out of the return Sorry. game. So, uh, I like that. And you the know, coverage teams have too. been – Right. Yeah. I think you're, I think that was a, that was pretty rough last year. So I think that's getting better. You just got to find some consistent field goal making uh, from Joseph. Yeah. You got to like what you see from Britton Colquitt. And I think the coverage teams look great. I think the return teams Colquitt had a bad first game, but he was a lot better against the Colts. Definitely. And he definitely got a leg workout as well. So, okay, let's uh, finish up here. I think we're already pretty deep into the show. So let's finish up quick with Everson Griffin. Um, if you haven't heard the news, this was released earlier this morning. Um, the Vikings re-signed Everson Griffin, bringing him back to Minnesota after a short stint in Dallas and Detroit and I think somewhere else as well that I can't remember. Um, he's back. What are the expectations? He's older. He's wiser, apparently. Uh, but he also said some things about Kirk Cousins that pissed some people off. Probably Kirk Cousins included in that group. And he's also old now, right? Like he's just not, you know, he's not the spring chicken that he was four years ago. So I think there's an expected drop off there, but I think there's also an expectation that when you're a situational pass rusher, which is exactly what Mike Zimmer defined him as earlier this earlier today in his press conference, that if you can maximize your snaps, you're still in a very important and extremely efficient part of this defense. That's how Trey Hendrickson got a massive contract after the Saints. Yes. I mean, he was a situational guy for how long, and then he got a ma- uh, well, he got the contract with I think Cincinnati maybe, but. That's how he made his big payday. And that's actually what Everson Griffin was, uh, what, eight years ago, mm-hmm. seven years ago, was a situational pass rusher when Jared Allen and um, who else was on Ray the Edwards? team? Why am I blinking? Is it Maybe Ray Edwards? Ray Edwards? Was it Ray Edwards then? Yeah, Is it, it all the been. way back? No, that's. I think that's too far back. It might have been for a, a crossover there a little bit. Oh, okay. Brian Robinson, duh. Brian. <laughs> that, that's embarrassing. Yeah, but that point stands. That's Strike where that that's what Griffin show. was. That's what Griffin was, was that situational pass rusher. And if he's going to come in and do that, fine by me. Haven't seen enough on a Wanham or Weatherly to be a, you know, those two to be only the rotation, not pass rush other than Hunter. So now we don't know what the chemistry is going to be like or the locker room, mm-hmm. whatever, with the whole tweet scenario and how uh, those tweets. I'm, uh, I mean, Personally, I don't think Kurt cares, and I think he'll shrug it off, and mm-hmm. he'll too. be as cordial as he was before. I don't think that that's how Kirk is. He's cordial. I don't think he's best friends with any of his teammates, but I think I don't think he's, he's passive aggressive out, too. He's he out to hurt anything. anybody. Yeah, he's he's fine with it. That's whatever. <laughs> but that's obviously he's you know cleared everything he needs to clear, and he's on the team. I, I from a football standpoint, I big fan because. What does he do? What is what does he bring to the table now here? Right, like he's well, on the team. You're right. What so does he do? So I mean, we talked about the pass rushing numbers last year, and Gakaway was the leader in sacks at five and a half. He played five games or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Vikings didn't have any pass rush of any kind outside of Griffin, and I can confidently say even Griffin, after maybe slowing down last year, the last couple of years, much better threat still than Weatherly or Wanham. So I love that, and I think he'll get a lot of opportunity one on one with Hunter on the other side to make some plays. So I, now I don't think there's as much left in the tank as two, three years ago when he was getting double digit stacks still, but I think he's certainly 
a more of a threat than Wanham or Weatherly out there still. So I, I like it from that perspective. Um, and I, I, I appreciate the Vikings for reaching out and solidifying a position that's clearly valuable and needed um, mm-hmm. on that defense. Okay. So that in itself is a win, right? Like just everything Drew said, like makes this a win. Now what you get out of Everson Griffin now, whether it's three sacks, 12 sacks, hell, if he breaks the sack record, that's all beside the point. Everything that Drew said right there is this is good, right? You just brought in depth when you need depth. Uh, you brought in a pass rusher when it, at a position of need, uh, an extremely important position at that. All those things are good things that makes this an no-brainer. Now, what makes this a special signing or a potentially even you know better signing than just what it sounds like on paper is that, first of all, loved person in Minnesota, right? Like, not just the team. Like, all of us as fans, we love Everson Griffin. This guy is hilarious. Um, he's got a big personality, a very enjoyable personality. Also a golfer, by the way. Also a golfer. Second-swing customer. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Bring him back I have to seen the seen him. He, I, see, I have seen him in the second-swing Minnetonka store uh, there you multiple go. times. Um, so he brings all of that. Now, that's all a win, too. So that's two wins. We got two. I'm going to go for three. Third one is that not only can you line him up in that spot where Wanham or Weatherly is going to line up, uh, I think I know you you're can going also like do it. other stuff with Everson like Griffin it. as well. We've seen him in the past move inside and play that three-eye spot, right? Now you have the chunkiest defensive, off- defensive line ever flanked by two extremely, extremely athletic human beings in – Daniil Hunter, and I'm going to use DJ Wanham as my example here because I think he's more athletic. Then you've got meat tanks in the middle with Everson Griffin playing that three eye and pass rushing from the inside. Situational down. Man, there's so much you can do on that five, mm-hmm. two, four now. Right? Did I do that math right? Yeah, five, two, four. You can do that now because you have Everson Griffin. So in addition to giving you quality pass rush snaps off the edge, you have more for your defense now. There's more you can put into the playbook. There's more weird shit that you can do in general because you have a guy that not only knows the system but has a proven uh, talent for not just playing that outside spot but also moving inside and playing that 3i spot as well. So flexibility is really what it comes down to. So the winner here, you get additional pass rush for a depth-ridden team. You get a beloved guy in Minnesota that's not just a great teammate but a great personality that we all want to hear from. As soon as possible, put this guy on camera because I would love to hear his voice again. And then number three, flexibility on defense. That is like what makes Mike Zimmer happier than flexibility on defense outside of cornerbacks? Probably nothing. I think those are top two. Cornerbacks and flexibility for Mike Zimmer. And if we could figure out the cornerback spot – things would be looking yeah. a lot better heading into week three. For sure. I am looking forward to the part of my take segment though, where they talk about uh, the Viking signing Griffin and being like, look at these tweets. He literally sent about Kirk cousins like a few months ago. And then they're going to, that'll be fun. But no, I, I think from a football perspective, it's a great move. Um, and I'm excited for it uh, to watch. I mean, cause Mike Zimmer is at his best when he's able to dial up different blitzes, yes. pass rushes with guys that can actually execute them. I think Griffin's one of those guys, obviously familiar with the defense. So big move. I think it could, it's one of those to me, relatively low risk, pretty high reward um, potential there for this guy. So I'm all for it. Um, I mean, doesn't move my needle in terms of like expected wins much this year, but I know, I think, I think it raises the floor just a tiny bit knowing that, you know, the pass rush can't be as bad as last year. Hopefully last year was pretty bad. Um, And you'd think another guy like Griffin in there could, could uh, 
you know, stabilize that even more. It's just a sneaky, sneaky point here. And then we'll, we'll get to the conclusion. Um, also the fact that he kind of pushes Wanham and Weatherly as well, just inherently. Yeah, you'd think, you'd think, you'd, yeah, you'd think that'd be the response from those guys, but like, while they're bringing in this guy back, you know, that obviously they don't trust one of us to be the star, you know, like the full-time guy over here, absent Hunter. So. Yeah. I think, I think Mike Zimmer, like, you know, added some level of like, kind of like reduction of anxiety for the two guys that are battling it out and Wanham and Weatherly right now, when he was like, we're bringing him in as a situational guy. These two are still competing for the starting job, but it should still push them to be like, all right, I might get the starting job week one, but like, I don't get to hold on to this automatically. Like there is guys behind me now. Not only is it the guy that I was competing with, you know, let's say Wanham wins. Not only is Weatherly behind me, but I've also got a guy who, you know, in this exact system has had double digit sacks on multiple occasions. So Mm -hmm. like pick it up or, you know, find some consistency or like there's a reason to fight for your job even more so than there was yesterday, which I think in football is always a good thing. I'm glad I'm not fighting for my job, but from my standpoint, like as a, as a competitor, as a football fan, I want all 53 guys fighting for their job. Cause I mean, let's be real here. Like, that gives you the best chance to compete and win football games. Competition so. is what football is. And so if that, that should bring out the best in you, if it doesn't, you'd probably don't belong, you know? Absolutely. There you go. Boom. All right. Any final thoughts here? I think this is about an hour long. Um, no, just goodbye for my new addition to my desk. It's a Jim Klein saucer bobblehead. I expect absolutely nothing less that you get that. Uh, what, what is that for? What was the reason for this? Uh, thrift store. Thrift store. That's thrift got, store for a, a couple nice of bucks. Find. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I know. That's why I got it. Addition to my Klein Sasser jersey. Now I got I got to put up like a shrine in the in the room here with a bobblehead jersey signed football. Yeah, we'll work on that. I love it. I love it. All right then. Well, thank you guys for listening to this show. Um, as always, we appreciate it. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket team. They're making a ton of new content. You guys know this spiel, right? Uh, Daily Norseman, you can find us there. Leave it, drop us a comment in the comment section if you disagree or agree with anything that we have said on this show. I'm here to discuss it with you, especially if you have something you know, very extreme to say. I tend to respond to those a little bit more frequently, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, other things, we'll be back next week, uh, wrapping up the preseason, probably taking a look at what the 53-man roster is going to look is going to look like, and then obviously we'll shift gears into the regular season, which is good news on a couple of fronts here. Uh, Drew and I will be planning on doing two shows a week, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, during the regular season. Uh, that being said, you know, I, I think that we've kind of you know, paved this road for ourselves already, but there will be times when we miss a show here and there, but that's the game plan for the season, so I hope you guys are looking forward to that. Um, And that's all I got for you today. So thank you for joining us for this discussion. Um, We'll be back next week to figure out what's happening with the rest of the preseason here and shifting into the regular season. And until then, uh, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy this Vikings team. And we'll catch you next week.